Psalm 45, Part 2 of Expositions on the Book of Psalms, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Expositions on the Book of Psalms, Volume 2, by St. Augustine of Hippo. Psalm 45, Part 2. 7. Lo, now then, that word so uttered, eternal, the co-eternal offspring of the eternal, will come as the bridegroom, verse 2, fairer than the children of men, than the children of men. I ask, why not than the angels also? Why did he say, than the children of men, except because he was man? Lest you should think the man Christ to be any ordinary man, he says, fairer than the children of men. Even though himself man, he is fairer than the children of men. Though among the children of men, fairer than the children of men. Though of the children of men, fairer than the children of men. Grace is shed abroad on thy lips. The law was given by Moses, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace is shed abroad on thy lips. Was it through my deserts that I was helped, because I delight in the law of God after the inner man? But... There was another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? The grace of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace is shed abroad on thy lips. He came unto us with the word of grace, with the kiss of grace. What is there more sweet than that grace? To what purport is that grace? Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. If he were to come as a severe judge, and not to bring that grace which is shed abroad on his lips, who could have any hope of salvation? Who could help fearing for himself what was the sinner's due? He, coming with grace, did not exact what was due, but paid that which he did not owe. For was not the forfeit of death due from the sinner? Or was there anything but punishment due to you, being a sinner? He has remitted thy debt, and he has paid that which he did not owe. Marvellous grace! Wherefore grace? Because it is given gratis, freely. For this reason it is in your power to acknowledge the free gift, not recompense it. He sought to find what reward to render, and said, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? and he seemed to have found something. I will take the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. Is this the recompense that thou renderest, that thou takest the cup of salvation and callest upon the name of the Lord, who gave thee that very cup of salvation? He continued the acknowledgement of the free grace, for as to the rendering a recompense for it he was at a loss. Find something to give unto God that thou hast not received from him and thou wilt have rendered a return for that free grace. But beware, lest while thou seekest something that thou didst not receive from God to render unto him, thou find it indeed, but only thine own sin. This it is true thou didst not receive from him, but thou oughtest not to give to him either. This the Jews gave unto him, they rewarded him evil for good. They received rain from him, and they rendered unto him not fruit, but the thorns of suffering. Whatsoever good thing, then, in thyself thou wouldst offer to God, 
thou findest thyself to have received from him only. There is the grace that is shed abroad on his lips. He made thee, made thee of his free grace, for there was nothing for him to reward, because he had made thee. Thou wert lost, he sought thee, and having found thee, restored thee, he did not impute to thee the past, he promised thee the future. Verily, grace is shed abroad on thy lips, therefore God hath blessed thee for ever. A difficulty is started how this, therefore God hath blessed thee for ever, can be understood to be still spoken by God the Father. It seems that it may with more propriety be understood of the person of the prophet. And sudden and perfectly abrupt changes of person are found in the sacred writings. Indeed, the divine pages, if any one takes notice, are full of them. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. And immediately follows, What shall be given unto thee, or what shall be added unto thee against the false tongue? There is a different person in this verse from that in the former. In the one, that of a person asking, in the other, of one bringing succor sharp arrows of the mighty one with consuming coals of fire there is one person that says what shall be given or added unto thee and in what follows another is introduced woe is me that my sojourn is remote so frequent a change of persons in a few verses is a hint for our understanding he does not point out the place where the change is made we are not told god spake this and man this but it is from the words themselves we are made to understand what relates to man and what to god now it was man that said, My heart hath uttered a good word. It was a man that said it. It was the writer of the psalm that said. But he said it in speaking in the person of God. He begins to speak in his own person also. Therefore God hath blessed thee for ever. For God hath said, Grace is shed abroad on thy lips, addressing him whom he had made fair before the children of men even the man whom the Eternal had begotten before all things, God, co-eternal with himself. The prophet, then, is filled with a certain unspeakable joy, and considering what God the Father hath revealed of his Son to man, that he could also speak those former words in the person of God, says, Therefore hath God blessed thee for ever. Wherefore? On account of that grace. For to what does that grace tend? To the kingdom of heaven. For the First Testament had promised the earth, and the reward, or the promise, to those under the law was different from that under grace, the land of Canaan to Jews under the law, the kingdom of heaven to Christians under grace. That kingdom then, that belonged to those under the law, that land has passed away. The kingdom of heaven that, that belongs to those under grace does not pass away. God hath blessed thee, not for a time, but forever. 9. There have not been wanting those who preferred understanding all the preceding passage also of the prophet's own person, and would have even this verse, Mine heart hath uttered forth a good word, understood as spoken by the prophet, supposed to be uttering a hymn, for whoever utters a hymn to God, his heart is, as it were, uttering forth a good word, just as his heart who blasphemes God is uttering forth an evil word. So that even by what follows, I speak of the things which I have made unto the king, he meant to express that man's chief work was but to praise God. To him it belongs to satisfy thee by his beauty, to thee to praise him with thanksgiving. If thy works be not the praise of God, thou art beginning to love thine own self. Thou wilt belong to the number of those of whom the apostle says, Men shall be lovers of their own selves. Be dissatisfied with thyself, find satisfaction in him who made thee. 
in that thou art dissatisfied with that in thine own self which thou thyself hast made be then thy work the praise of god let thine heart utter forth a good word tell then of thy works unto the king for it is the king himself that hath made thee to tell of them and he it is who gave thee what thou mightest offer to him render to him of his own be not willing having received the share of thine inheritance to go afar off and riotously squander it on harlots and feed the swine remember this passage of the gospel but to us also apply the words he was dead and is alive again was lost and is found ten my tongue is the pen of a writer writing quickly there have been persons who have understood the prophet to have been describing in this manner what he was writing and therefore to have compared his tongue to the pen of a writer writing quickly but that he chose to express himself in the words writing quickly to signify that he was writing of things which were to come quickly that writing quickly should be understood to be equivalent to writing things that are quick i e writing things that would not long tarry for god did not tarry long to manifest christ how quickly is that perceived to have rolled by which is acknowledged to be already past call to mind the generations before thee thou wilt find that the making of adam is but a thing of yesterday so do we read that all things have gone on from the very beginning they were therefore done quickly the day of judgment also will be here quickly do thou anticipate its quick coming it is to come quickly do thou become converted yet more quickly the judge's face will appear but observe thou what the prophet says let us come before let us prevent his face with confession grace is shed abroad on thy lips therefore god hath blessed thee for ever eleven verse three gird thy sword upon thy thigh o most mighty what is meant by thy sword but thy word it was by that sword he scattered his enemies, by that sword he divided the son from the father, the daughter from the mother, the daughter-in-law from the mother-in-law. We read these words in the gospel, I came not to send peace but a sword, and in one house shall five be divided against each other, three against two and two against three, i.e. the father against the son, the daughter against the mother, the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. By what sword? but that which christ brought was this division wrought and indeed my brethren we see this exemplified daily some young man is minded to give himself up to god's service his father is opposed to it they are divided against each other the one promises an earthly inheritance the other loves an heavenly the one promises one thing the other prefers another the father should not think himself wronged god alone is preferred to him and yet he is at strife with the son who would fain give himself to god's service but the spiritual sword is mightier to separate them than the ties of carnal nature to bind them together this happens also in the case of a mother against her daughter still more also in that of a daughter-in-law against a mother-in-law for sometimes in one house mother-in-law and daughter-in-law are found orthodox and heretical respectively and where that sword is forcibly felt we do not dread the repetition of baptism could daughter be divided against mother and could not daughter-in-law be divided against mother-in-law twelve this takes place also with mankind in general that son is divided against father for we were once children of the devil it was said to us 
when we were as yet unbelievers, ye are of your father, the devil. He was not our father by begetting us, but we became his children by becoming like him. Now you see the son divided against the father. That sword has come. He renounces the devil. He finds another father and another mother. The former, by proposing himself for our imitation, begat us unto perdition. The two parents we have found gender unto life everlasting. The son, then, is divided against the father. The daughter is divided against the mother. The laity, which came from Judaism to belief, is divided against the synagogue. The daughter-in-law also is divided against the mother-in-law. The laity, which came from among the Gentiles, is expressed by the daughter-in-law, because Christ the bridegroom is the son of the synagogue. For from whence, according to the flesh, was the Son of God born? From that synagogue, even he who forsook his father and mother, and clave unto his wife, that they twain might be one flesh. According to no mere conjecture of ours, but to the attestation of the apostle, saying, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. For in a certain sense he did forsake the father. He did not indeed forsake him entirely, as it were, unto actual separation from him, but unto the assumption of human flesh. In what way did he forsake him? In that, when he was in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but emptied himself of his glory, taking upon him the form of a servant. In what way did he forsake his mother also? In forsaking the Jewish nation, that synagogue that would still cleave to the old types. To a figurative expression of this belongs what he said, Who is my mother, and who are my brethren? For he was within, teaching, they were standing without. Consider if it is not so now with the Jews. Christ is teaching within the church, they stand without. What then is the mother-in-law? The mother of the bridegroom. The mother of the bridegroom, our Lord Jesus Christ, is the synagogue. Her daughter-in-law, then, is the church, which, coming from the Gentiles, did not consent to carnal circumcision, and is divided against her mother-in-law. Gird on thy sword. It was the mighty power of that sword we were speaking when we said this. 13. Gird thy sword upon thee, i.e. thy word about thy thigh, O most mighty, i.e. having thy sword girt about thy thigh. What does he mean to express by the thigh? The flesh. Whence those words, a prince shall not depart from Judah, and a lawgiver from his thighs. Did not Abraham himself, to whom was promised the seed in which all nations of the earth were to be blessed, when he sent his servant to seek and to bring home a wife for his son, being by faith fully persuaded that in that, so to speak, contemptible seed was contained the great name, that is, that the Son of God was to come of the seed of Abraham, out of all the children of men. Did not he, I say, cause his servant to swear unto him in this manner, saying, Put thy hand under my thigh, and so swear, as if he had said, Put thy hand on the altar, or on the gospel, or on the prophet, or on any holy thing. Put, he says, thy hand under my thigh, having full confidence, not ashamed of it as unseemly, but understanding therein a truth. Gird therefore thy sword about thee, about thy thigh, most mighty, most mighty even about thy thigh, because the weakness of God is stronger than men. 14. With thy beauty and thy glory, take to thee that righteousness, in which thou art at all times beautiful and glorious. Verse 4. And speed on, and proceed prosperously, and reign. Do we not see it so? 
is it not already come to pass he has sped on has proceeded prosperously and he reigns all nations are subdued unto him what a thing was it to see that in the spirit of which same thing it is now in our power to experience in the reality at the time when these words were said christ did not yet reign thus had not yet sped on nor proceeded prosperously they were then being preached they have now been fulfilled in many things we have god's promise fulfilled already in some few we have to claim its fulfilment yet speed on and proceed prosperously and reign fifteen because of truth meekness and righteousness truth was restored unto us when the truth sprung out of the earth and righteousness looked out from heaven christ was presented to the expectation of mankind that in abraham's seed all nations should be blessed the gospel has been preached it is the truth what is meant by meekness the martyrs have suffered and the kingdom of god has made much progress from thence and advanced throughout all nations because the martyrs suffered and neither fell away nor yet offered resistance confessing everything concealing nothing prepared for everything shrinking from nothing marvellous meekness this did the body of christ by its head it learnt he was first led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearers is dumb even so opened not his mouth meek to that degree while hanging on the cross he said father forgive them for they know not what they do why because of righteousness he will come also to judge and to render to every man according to his works he spake the truth he patiently endured unrighteousness he is to bring righteousness hereafter and thy right hand shall lead thee on marvellously we shall be guided on by his right hand he by his own for he is god we mortal men he was led on by his own right hand i e by his own power for the power which the father hath he hath also the father's immortality he hath also he hath the father's divinity the father's eternity the father's power marvellously will his right hand lead him on performing the works of god undergoing human sufferings overthrowing the evil wills of men by his own goodness even now he is being led on even to places where as yet he is not and it is his own right hand that is leading him on for that is leading him thither which he has himself bestowed upon his saints thy right hand shall lead thee on marvellously verse five thine arrows are sharp are most powerful words that pierce the heart that kindle love whence in the song of songs it is said i am wounded with love for she speaks of being wounded with love that is of being in love of being inflamed with passion of sighing for the bridegroom for whom she received the arrow of the word thine arrows are sharp are most powerful both piercing and effective sharp most powerful the people shall fall under thee who have fallen they who were wounded have also fallen we see the nations subdued unto christ we do not see them fall he explains where they fall viz in the heart it was there they lifted themselves up against christ there they fall down before christ saul was a blasphemer of christ he was then lifted up he prays to christ he is fallen he is prostrate before him the enemy of christ is slain that the disciple of christ may live by an arrow launched from heaven saul not as yet paul but still saul still lifted up still not yet prostrate is wounded in the heart he received the arrow he fell in heart for though he fell prostrate on his face 
it was not there that he fell down in heart but it was there where he said aloud lord what dost thou bid me do but just now thou wert going to bind the christians and to bring them to punishment and now thou sayest unto christ what dost thou bid me do o arrow sharp and most mighty by whose stroke saul fell so as to become paul as it was with him so it was also with the peoples consider the nations observe their subjection unto christ the peoples then shall fall under thee in the heart of the king's enemies that is in the heart of thine enemies for it is him that he calls king him that he recognizes as king the peoples shall fall under thee in the heart of the king's enemies they were enemies before they have been stricken by thine arrows they have fallen before thee out of enemies they have been made friends the enemies are dead the friends survive this is the meaning of for those which shall be changed we are seeking to understand each single word and each separate verse yet so far only are we to seek for their understanding as to leave no one to doubt that they are spoken of christ the peoples shall fall under thee in the heart of the king's enemies End of Psalm 45, Part 2